Hello everybody, welcome back to the Talking City podcast, your Monday edition. We're going to be speaking about everything City today with your chief Manchester City writer, Simon Baikowski, who joins me today. And what a place to start. City 6. Six of the best. I think I said it would be six or seven. Six of the best against Bournemouth in a quite staggering performance uh, at the weekend. It just shows City are still on their pomp, even without their best player. Sai, one introduction. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, good. Good. How are you? Good. Uh, Very cheery for a Monday morning. I am, mate. I am. And I was up at about half five as well. I was up at about half five. Just one of those where you wake up. Yeah, can't get back to sleep. Doing the show notes. Um, Just... (laughs) A really exciting morning, you know. Good, yeah. I definitely wasn't up at half past five. <laughs> but there we are. <laughs> but yeah, someone who was up for it at the weekend was a certain Jeremy Doku. Um, but before we get into that, mate, I'd, um, yeah, I mean, the lineup for City was so interesting at the weekend. Obviously, Doku came in after Grealish had a couple of really good performances. Kovacic in beside, uh, beside uh, Rodri at four centre backs. Again, which, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a cry back to last season. Were there any surprises there for you? I, I think it was kind of a... Well, certainly quite a few people were surprised that he made as many changes as he did and kind of the number of... Also the personnel that he took out, you know, taking out Diaz and Guardiola at the back uh, and Grealish after playing, playing well was interesting and Foden on the bench as well because I think that's the first game... First league game he's been on the bench for other than one where he was ill. So um, a few people were saying sort of, I thought he'd go stronger against Bournemouth and then rotate against young boys. Um, But it was kind of a sense of where City are at, I think. You know, they they beat Fulham 5-1 earlier in the season at home and the performance was kind of nowhere near what it was on Saturday. And it wasn't still, you know, they tailed off quite badly in the second half on Saturday, but they still scored another three goals. It feels like they're they're now in that groove where they can rotate and they can bring players back in and they still look good. Um so Akanji and Ake came in at the back and Doku kinda of ran the ran the show and Kovacic was was in as well and then, you know, Phillips and Nunes get a bit of game time in the second half. So it it was a positive day. Um it was hard because in the sense that like Everyone thought City would win easily, and they won easily. But you still have to win easily. Um, and, you know, credit to City that they did while making those those changes and, and not playing their, their best 11. Yeah, the, yeah, 100%. I mean, we were speaking before, and yeah, it's it's difficult not to be almost be cocky about it when you're talking yeah, about City, yeah, yeah. isn't it? And, and you know, as a, as a report, you'll feel it yourself, but it was one of those games where... I think you bang on that when you say they're in the group, it's almost in just this flow state right now. They're just really hitting. And we'll get on to the other team's results as well a little bit later on in the podcast. But there were so many top performances and, and there's no better place to start really than Jeremy Doku. I mean, I can't remember a player getting four assists in one game and obviously the goal. But that, I think he had about a 20-minute spell in that first half where he, he was literally unplayable. I mean, was that his best game in a City shirt for you? Yeah, yeah, it was. And, you know, he's been brought in to unlock kind of teams that sit really deep. And Bournemouth sat really deep. And for about half an hour, City hadn't created very much. And then between minutes 30 and 38, they scored three goals because of Doku. So it was like he basically won them the game by doing exactly what he's been brought here to do. 
Um, so yeah, it was really, really, um, really good from him. And he played the full match, and you sort of see like you know, there's times where he's attacking near the end, and he like dribbles the ball straight out of play and things like that. Like it's not going to come off every time, but he had enough, and he had it on the left and the right. Um, he was really, really sensational. He was, and um, I mean, there was the, there was the assist where he sort of rolled it. I think it was the second assist he got where he played it into Bernardo's Bernardo's you know, feet or whatever, and that was just an incredible bit of skill and agility. But the first one, it's exactly what you said. It was almost it, the goal he scored. It was just it was a bit static from City. They were doing the City thing where it's you know the the, the, the four centre backs were almost nearly camped on the edge of their box, but nothing's coming off really, and. It was just that injection of pace, wasn't it, for that first one? He thought he just took it upon himself, and it's it's crazy to see that ability level that he can just switch that quickly and just turn the game. Really, it looks like you say static, and then suddenly he's beating his man and he's done something. Um, and then for the for the one for Bernardo's first goal, it was. I mean, I likened it to like Peter Beagrey, um for the older generation. Great reference, Bradford City legend. But like you know, but I remember him growing up just like beating the same man about eight times and you're like why don't you just like go on and beat someone a bit more but you know Doku had Mepham up against him in the box absolutely schooled him and then sort of waited for him to recover so he could do it again and then slip Bernardo the ball and you know Pep was saying afterwards like when he gets the ball the crowd are excited I'm excited everyone's excited to see what he's what he's going to do and he is a real um, he's really fun to watch I was really surprised how isolated they left him at points. So, like you just said with Mepham, yeah. it felt like on several occasions that he was just 1v1. It's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? 1v1 against him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it felt like Bournemouth were kind of there for damage limitation from the start. And um, I think their coach afterwards said, you know, they, they in the first half they went about it the wrong way. They didn't show enough kind of intent to get out of the box. And he was like, you can do it. You can survive for maybe half an hour, but you can't survive a match doing doing that. And it and it showed, but it still takes quality to to break that. And that is exactly what what Doku did. I think the impressive thing about him as well is not only can he is he just electric, but he can go both ways, can't he? He must be a real struggle to defend against. Pep was really interested on him after the game. Um, so the, he sort of said, "We need him to be on the left and the right." But he was sort of saying, as like as talented as he is. Um, with what he can do, he's also making like really smart football decisions. And as much as we can see him as this like pacey, tricky sort of instinctive winger, like his footballing instincts and his sort of knowing what to do when is brilliant. And like you know, Guardiola's teams operate on their footballing players being really intelligent with the ball. And like Grealish, also you know, not the sharpest. He will admit in normal life but his footballing brain is incredible and I think what has surprised the staff at City is not you know I think they expected Doku to be a, a bit more raw and a bit more kind of almost like rugby league just keep like running and running and running and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but he's he's more knowing when to run and when not to run which is um yeah makes him a, a very very good prospect that, that's that's the interesting part of all of this now, because all when, when we were doing the pod last week, we were speaking about Grealish, and we were glowing about Grealish, rightly so. 
But now when you're looking at it and, and, and I'd have maybe put Grealish a little bit ahead just in terms of that football brain and maybe the rawness kept Doku back a little bit. But a performance like that at the weekend, an almost coming-of-age performance at Manchester City and Pep saying you know the exact same thing as what you just said. It's the footballing brain. Now I'm watching him at the weekend and he's not making a bad decision. That Every sort of decision is executed very well, but it's the right decision as well. And the balance between him and Grealish now is going to be so interesting. Because like you just said, uh, their sites, if teams are to almost sit deep, you want Doku there, of course you do. But, you know, teams are almost uh, are coming at City as well. That counter-attack with someone like Jeremy Doku. So the balancing act now is going to be fascinating going forward, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. I think Grealish will still have the edge just because he sort of gives City more control. You prefer Grealish, don't you, in that role um, over Doku? Yeah, I think so. I think so. But I, again, it's just because you've seen him do it more. Uh, but I asked Pep about it afterwards and said, you know, is it like, is this Doku and Grealish, is this like what you want now for the whole squad? And he was like, yeah, I want Jack to be angry when he doesn't play and then turn out a performance like that. I want Jeremy to be angry that he's not played and then play like that and he said before about you know having to like compete with your teammates and be almost like enemies for the week and then support each other on a match day and um you know it, it is like two different but incredible weapons to have kind of for for different games and you know I, I would have had Grealish in the team for United because of his experience and because of what he brings and like he was brilliant against United um but when you see Doku play like that, you sort of think, you know, he could... If he keeps playing like that in games where he plays, he's more chance of playing in bigger games. And, you know, say you've got four or five big games coming up and it's going to be very interesting to see kind of if if Doku can force his way into the starting lineup for those matches. Yeah, I'll leave it in the comment section below who you'd prefer if you are watching this on YouTube, Doku or Grealish. But it, it, is to, it is definitely turning into that, isn't it? Week by week, it's Doku versus Grish. And, and, and like you quietly said, City have got that across the pitch. You, you know, you could make it, make it, it could be a Kanji versus Diaz. It could be Guardiola versus Ake. Yeah. And that's another perfect example of it, isn't it? But I think what's nice sort of at the minute, I feel like earlier in the season, there was a lot of sort of, um, oh, Doku looks really good. Grealish is rubbish. What's Grealish done? Like, he's slow, whatever. Um, and you know that kind of didn't appreciate what Grealish does for the team um, and what he has achieved with the team and things like that whereas now he's in a situation where Doku's proved himself a bit more and Grealish has also got back in form so now we're talking about two really informed players going for the same the same place uh, and also you know Pep said they could both play in the same team they did it at Young Boys so there might be occasions when they both make the make the team, but but now this is kind of peak Guardiola. This is why they've had success because they've had players that are good enough to be starting every week fighting against other players who are good enough to be starting every week. There's one player who I don't think they can replicate anywhere in the squad, and it's Bernardo. Yeah, Pep absolutely adores him, doesn't he? And y y it's a it's a constant with him. I mean, you're there for every single press conference and the way, I mean, the way after the game, he just smiles when you mention his name and he compared him to Messi as well at the weekend. I mean, his finish, that death finish was very, very similar to that of Messi's and we've seen that Messi do that amped amount of times. But it, 
he at the at the moment he's just unplayable, isn't he? He really seems to be kind of relishing his role um, as Darius Hay, one of the older kind of more senior players in the team. I think he's only like twenty eight, but still, God, I'm thirty. <laughs> All downhill. He um, he he seems to be kind of enjoying his football a lot at the minute and just because he's settled now because there's always been rumours about him leaving here and there it feels a little bit more settled yeah I mean I think he's had the ability to sort of turn it turn it on and sort of put those things to one one side but there have been times where he, he has been less less settled I mean he, you know he's a he's a new dad so maybe he's got settled from that but on the other hand you know maybe he's up more in the night and who knows what so um, it it just feels like um, he is fully content, uh, and he's kind of. It almost feels like he's mastered Pep's football. You can put him anywhere in on the pitch, and he will know exactly what to do wherever. And he, he, you know, he bossed the game at Old Trafford, and he he bossed the game on on Saturday. He was just kind of like gliding wherever. But he was again interesting afterwards. Guardiola was like, um, "We've spoken. I told him he needs to score more goals if." He needs, if he wants to take his game to the next level, he needs to score more goals. And it, it's like, well, that's, re, you know, that makes sense. And then you think, hang on a minute, this guy was like top 10 in the Ballon d'Or. So it, it's like, <laughs> again, you're sort of taking a guy who is one of the top 10 players in the world and saying, yeah, you need to improve here, here and here. And he goes, yeah, all right. Yeah, I'll try that. Yeah. So again, it's just kind of the best of the best not being happy with where they are and wanting to get even better and and again those are very positive signs for City but I bet Pep was even with with Messi I bet there'd have been improvements from Pep ever and that's that's what that's what drives players of that caliber to 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 keep getting better because if Bernardo sat there and thinking well I'm the best here there's no yeah. real improvement needed then this complacency can kick in can't it yeah yeah and and that's I mean we tried to sort of speak to Pep a bit about that on Friday, just about Haaland, because, you know, he was coming off the pitch with Haaland at Old Trafford and they were like having a long chat and discussing his two headers against Anana and, and he'd done similar in Young Boys in the week and then obviously made headlines like at the start of the season when they did it at Burnley when Haaland wasn't happy and like it kind of, uh, Keane called it all for show, didn't he, and said, oh, it's not what not what he should be doing. Carrie said it as well, didn't he? But, but Pep can't help himself but also, like, I think it shows, like, Haaland constantly wants to learn and get better. And he's just finished. And he's talking to the manager about, you know, oh, I should do this or this is why I'm doing this. And, you know, I remember, like, after City won the Champions League final, uh, not a sort of thing to forget, really. But but Haaland was doing post-match interviews and he went and did um, CBS. And he's, like, asking Henri, like, what what can I do? You tell me what I can do to get better. And it's like, you've just like completed an achievement barely anyone in world football will do. You scored 52 goals. And one of your first thoughts after winning the treble is like asking an ex-striker for advice on on how you can get even better. That is just like the mindset. So, you know, a, a Pep is full of kind of enthusiasm and things like that and can't help himself on the pitch. But Haaland and others still have this desire to get better all the time. Interesting you mentioned Haaland. Obviously, yeah, yeah, slight worry 
Um, obviously, we've been subbed off at the weekend. I mean, what's the? Uh, has anything else been said on it? Obviously, I, I will say that uh, the press conference is later on today. The uh, yeah. young boys press conference, which you'll be going to sign, we'll get a little bit more information there. But but what do we know after the game? I mean, I will set myself up for a fall here, but I would um, expect him to be okay for Sunday against Chelsea. I'd be su- I'd be surprised if he was risked. I think if it was kind of like if Chelsea was on Tuesday, then maybe they'd risk him for that. But with the position they are in the group and they are playing the group's weakest team, like they should be able to get by without him on uh, on 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 Tuesday against young boys and kind of keep him wrapped up on doing whatever he wants until Sunday. You know they will train today and we'll be able to see whether he's out training. But again, I'm not sure too much can be read if he isn't training because he has quite an individual training regime anyway so um i yeah i i, I would be surprised if he was unavailable for sunday but um you know it might be kind of we don't really know until sunday whether he is from your position as well obviously with his game at the weekend you know wasn't able to do normal Harlan things at the weekend, but you know that's expected when maybe you've got three or four defenders just all on him uh, at once. I don't know about you, but especially at the weekend, I was noticing City put the ball into the box a little bit more. I was noticing them whipping the ball in, and I thought, that's interesting. I wonder, that's definitely developed from last season. It could have developed recently as well, and you wonder if that's maybe yeah. maybe just Pep saying, look, if he needs to get more goals, we need to aid him in that way as well. Yeah, I think so. I think it, it felt a bit like the um, the... Everton game at home from last season with with Haaland he was kind of like he, he almost spent more time shouting at the centre-backs than he did kind of trying to score it was like they were fully on him making sure he had no space but he was Haaland versus Godfrey part two it was one of those you sort of thought yeah I'm not surprised he's not that involved because he's sort of got his hands full with these um, but yeah yeah I think with Doku as well you know he he's quite happy to get a yard of space and whip the ball in so they're um, and with Bournemouth sitting so far back you know they were quite happy to to try things so yeah he's um, he was just you know daft that the day after the manager says he's never been fitter he then comes off at half time injured but um, you know they don't they don't like to take risks with him um, because they don't want to risk him being out for longer than he he needs to be so yeah he there's a chance that he might miss this this weekend's game, but I um, I would expect him to be back in for that. And and it's a blessing in a way, isn't it? And I, I know sometimes when he's when he's preoccupying defenders, City fans might see that as a problem. But then you know there can be the emergence of Doku or Bernardo because all the defenders are focusing on on, on keeping Erling Haaland quiet. So that's a positive in a way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to you know score six goals without Haaland or Alvarez being involved in any of them is. Is pretty good going, and you know, and and they need it. Um, they need other people to chip in. You know, Foden came on for Haaland at half time and got the goal. So it's um, again promising that they're creating chances and that more players are, are taking them. Yeah, um, little word at the end as well on um, the importance of Rodri from Pep Guardiola. It's getting boring now, isn't it? We're talking about this every single week, but I think it's only right to highlight when he's been. Rodri like again yeah and again you know there was a question put to him after the game about Calvin Phillips and giving him more minutes we gave like a 10 minute segment to that last week and you know the first answer and the first line back from Pep is 
we can't deny how important Rodri is. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you can't. Like Interesting comments about Calvin, though. He was quite animated, wasn't it? Didn't say a lot for his football, but you'd think that, you know, maybe Phillips, I, I don't know. If I'm Calvin Phillips and I don't start on Tuesday, then I'm sorting out my move. Because... What's the point? Yeah, yeah. You, you want to play competitive football and, you know, you don't want to play Champions League dead rubbers and... 20 minutes when you're 5-1 up so but Rodri is there and Rodri's not going away and Rodri's form doesn't look like tailing off anytime soon so unless you're you know displacing Alvarez or Foden or Doku or Grealish from the team you're probably not going to play regularly no. and that's going to be the end of the first act everybody we'll see you for part two Hello everybody, welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Before we start, I'd like to uh, direct you to our women's magazine. Uh, the Women's Football News is a brand new monthly magazine packed with news, interviews and expert opinion. Whether it's the legendary lionesses, grassroots or expert analysis of the women's leagues, Women's Football News has it all covered. A brand new monthly magazine packed with news, interviews and expert opinion. Don't miss Women's Football News. Pick up a copy today from participating retailers. Women's football is here to stay, and so are we. Uh, so Sergio Gomez, Sai, um, obviously found out uh, last week and obviously before the game that he was injured. Um, what can you tell us about that? Uh, he's on crutches. <laughs> uh, he's, out, he's out for the foreseeable, um, which, yeah, was just a bit of a surprise. He just kind of turned up off the team bus on Saturday and was... On, on crutches so um, yeah not sure entirely what's what's gone on but um, I feel like he probably would have been marked down for sort of some of these Champions League games coming up so um, you know maybe an opportunity for for some others but maybe you know a first team player gets more minutes than they would maybe have liked or the staff would maybe have, have liked because it doesn't look like he'll be able to play um, a part in things anytime soon. So a uh, relatively good weekend for Manchester City. Spurs playing Chelsea tonight, which the City boys will be keeping a keen eye on. But Arsenal dropping points at Newcastle um, and Liverpool weirdly dropping points against Luton yesterday. But Luton well worth it. And, and an overall 6-1 victory and a lot of the rivals dropping points. Been a good one for City, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it has. Um, you know, we spoke about the need for kind of City to win against Bournemouth because they were expected to and they have and those three points may not feel big kind of compared to three points against United or other three points but they're on the board and they give City a bit of leeway kind of you know they've got Chelsea coming up before the international break and then they've got Liverpool Spurs and Villa away it, it, it's a tough run and City will you know want a number of points but the more points they've got on the board um, the sort of the more leeway They've got, you know, it feels a long time ago since they lost to to Arsenal before the October international break, and everyone was thinking, "Well, Arsenal have got the advantage because." Well, you know, it, it was a big win for Arsenal, but now they've kind of surrendered that advantage with with other results. So, you know, City know more than anyone else. It's a long old season, and you've got to kind of take the small wins while you can because. 
you know, people will have expected Liverpool to beat Luton um, and they weren't able to. They were kind of, you know, had to scramble a, a 95th minute equaliser. So um, no game is a gimme in this league. And uh, yeah, as as others have found out. Can, can you see Spurs almost seeing the test of time? Do you think this is going to be an actual title challenger to Man City you're just speaking about a long season there it's going to be a long season for Spurs isn't it if they're going to keep up yeah well there, there were interesting comments from Arteta before the weekend about sort of you know saying these last five years in the Premier League have been unprecedented and you know the best ever teams in it and City and Liverpool and last season Arsenal have been responsible for that so because of that you kind of would suggest would think that those three will make the top four Um it's because the league is so hard, just like last season, Arsenal started really well and it was so hard to think that they would go the distance because they hadn't done it before. So this is where we're at with Spurs this year. Like They look really good, but how long can they keep it going because we don't know that they can? Um, I was listening to a phone-in uh, yesterday, maybe. Um, and, you know, there's a Villa fan saying they were, they were confident they were going to finish in the top four. And, you know, and uh, hosts were like, oh, who wouldn't you have in the top four then? And and they were like, with Spurs. Oh, well, can you not have Spurs in the top four? They're unbeaten there. And you think, well, yeah, but it's only like a quarter, not quite a third of the season gone. It's November, isn't it? A, a lot can happen. And, you know, Spurs playing Chelsea tonight. They've got to come to the Etihad soon. You wouldn't put money on them kind of beating City there. So there's a few games coming up where they can, where they look like they could drop points in. And then you've got, you know, your Luton Liverpools where teams don't look like they drop points and still do. So, um, it you know, great start to the season from Tottenham. The, the onus is kind of going to be on them all season to see if they can keep it up. I, I, I think there's, you know, there's every chance they can get top four. But competing against Arsenal and City and Liverpool is tough and it grinds you down. Do you still think Liverpool are in there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I liked Klopp post-match a lot more than Arteta post-match. Like, Klopp basically said we didn't play very well today. And if we'd played better, we would have won, but we didn't. And from that, you sort of... That sounds like a manager who kind of knows the level of his team and knows what they can and can't do. And... I, it, there's still an issue with Liverpool with keeping clean sheets. I think it's McAllister in that defensive midfield spot, isn't it? Yeah, but you know, Nunes had an off day, Salah wasn't brilliant, <laughs> and when those players are more on song, um, they win you win you games. I think it's going to be really interesting, Liverpool coming to the Etihad in three weeks. I think, you know, had that game been at Anfield, they would have been kind of maybe favourites, but they're under pressure to to do something but I think um, yeah I, th- I think they've they've probably got got it in them this year for a title challenge I still look at City there and I think again I think it is between I think it's between City and Arsenal still I just think they're just going to be a bit too strong but I do look at it and I think City it's in the palm of their hands now really I mean Arsenal have still got to come to the Etihad we know that's turned out for the past 10, 15 years. It's going to be a fascinating run, but I'm just so confident already about City. Yeah, and, it, you know, if 
that these home games are so important because they've won every game at home in 2023. You know, if they can beat Liverpool and Spurs at home, um, then that will really kind of give them an advantage. Um, Arsenal are... I don't know. Arsenal have been a bit... a bit. Wor- There's a few red flags from Arsenal this week, I think. New striker, don't they? Yeah, but, you know, losing, um, losing in the Carabao Cup... Not to take anything away from West Ham, but it kind of felt a bit, a bit needless, you know. Because City are probably at the point where like, oh, you know, if we'd be in Newcastle, it would be very much open, opened up for us. But um, but Newcastle deserve to go through. But you know, Newcastle and anyone left in the Carabao Cup will now be thinking we've got a real chance of winning because City are out, Arsenal are out, United are out. Um, I, and I don't think you can underestimate how important those trophies are um it was city's first first win you know um under guardiola eric ten Hag was speaking at the, the football writers awards on sunday and he was like you know maybe it was a small win for them winning the carabao cup but it it was a win and it brought them all together and it was like recognition of we are going in the right direction and i i sort of mentioned before arsenal kind of the the difficulty for them having led the league for most of last season and then getting caught by City like it can propel you to try even harder but it can also deflate you because it is really tough to take and then to go again so something like a cup run would um, would really kind of keep that momentum and keep that feeling within the squad of like yes we are doing what we need to do and I think it's proven as well at the minute with City that they can be hunting you down and they can still be almost as dangerous as just being ahead by eight to ten points. They've, they've got it both figured out, yeah. haven't they? And, you know, City are the perfect example whereby, you know, they they want to win the Carabao Cup. They love winning the Carabao Cup. But going out of the Carabao Cup doesn't necessarily matter if you can win bigger things. And, like, when City went out of the Carabao Cup, the... The, the worry was that they played a stronger team at Wolves at the weekend and lost that one as well. So it was like, you've kind of got the worst of both worlds. And Arsenal went out, went out to West Ham at the weekend and then went up to Newcastle and lost as well. And, you know, I'm not saying they, they lost at Newcastle because they lost at West Ham, but it kind of, you know, two defeats in a week is is not great. And especially two defeats where, you know, the... Managers left ranting about the referees and the club are putting out statements and it it's um, it doesn't feel very settled and it's the same for City have had it before when they've been in bad runs of form and you focus too much on refs or things that are going against you and you feel like things are going against you and that starts to chip away at stuff that you're doing well and you start to sort of blame that on you know this preconceived idea that everything's against you and it's not helpful. No, it's nice for City though. Um, part three, everybody, we're going to be speaking about the Young Boys game. See you soon. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Sai, Young Boys on uh, Tuesday got the press conference today as we keep saying um, 8 o'clock kick off what I mean 
yeah, I mean, like like the Bournemouth game once again, you're ex, you're expecting a, a probably a big win, aren't you, City wise for this one? Yeah, comfortable win. Um, it was a nice phrase Pep used at the weekend of um, we can park the car until February if we if we win this game because you know he does he loves to be able to forget about the Champions League and he, and he won't you know fully forget about it because he likes the competition too much but it does give City so much leeway to be able to sort of say right I know we've got these two games in the calendar but the focus is fully on the Premier League and it is a difficult run they've got coming up in the league if they win on Tuesday against Young Boys they have no distractions nothing to worry about they can focus on doing everything they can to sort of get that advantage in the league it means we can chill out for a little bit as well doesn't it yeah 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 and and also you know it gives opportunities to players and and you know it might not mean much to say Calvin Phillips to start such dead rubbers but it might to Oscar Bob and you know I think it was one of those games last year I think Rico Lewis got his first goal against Sevilla and it's like these things do do matter to to those players coming through you know Rico's doing the the press conference today with with Pep and it's like Rico Lewis doing a, a Champions League press conference but he's really shown himself over the last um 12 months really that he is a first team player and part of that was was getting that goal against against Sevilla so um if City do get the job done uh against young boys on Tuesday then it you know that it's too two big opportunities for for who knows at the club I think I think you do right as well to mention Oscar Bob assist at the weekend fantastic stuff um, the starting 11 for this side would you be making wholesale changes when it comes to Man City I mean maybe like you just said Calvin Phillips surely surely Oscar Bob Matthias Nunes what would you what would you be looking at doing well it's interesting because if Haaland doesn't play um, then you're looking at somebody else leading the line um probably alvarez but then alvarez kind of opens up room for for somebody else or do you maybe go you know Grealish up top or foden. or foden up top so something something like that i yeah I'd, I'd be tempted to play kovacic again with rodri just to try and kind of restart that partnership because it was looking really good and then has kind of stalled a bit with with Rodri being suspended, um, Kovacic hasn't really been able to sort of pick it back up. So, um, yeah, and then Guardiola and Diaz probably coming back in. Um, I'd maybe start Lewis and give Walker a, a rest because he has played a lot of football. Guardiola as well, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and Lewis was so good against young boys uh, in the other games. So, yeah, I, I think he will sort of the the manager will have one eye on on Chelsea at the weekend, and even if say Alvarez starts up front as a striker, I can see him playing sixty seventy and coming off, um, just in case he needs to be the the main man again at Chelsea. But even if not, he's going to be in the team, um, so he does need his his minutes managing, um, and then yeah, I mean Doku and Grealish both played against. Young boys away, so might be uh, might be fun to see them both both give it a go in this one as well. It's been a real professional campaign so far in the Champions League for Manchester City, hasn't it? No blips whatsoever. It's been been enjoyable to watch. Yeah, and they've not been perfect. I think they've won every game three one. Um, I think, but Red Star certainly took the lead against them, and 
Leipzig equalised and did the young boys equalise? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've been behind all level in in everyone, but they've got the job done and, you know, people moan about City getting easy draws and and whatever and, you know, they they do to an extent, but it's because the coefficient is so good and they keep winning the league, so they're in, among the best teams, so they're never going to face the best teams because they are one of the best teams um, but also the job that they do to get through is it has been it's kind of been one of the things that Guardiola has done at City and the players have done that has elevated them to one of the best clubs in Europe because they're, they're never in doubt of going out you know they, they never have a shock result in the in the group stage really because they take it so so seriously and that is you know why they're seen as one of the one of the heavyweights in Europe as well as they go to the last stages but like the, the, you just like you can't even imagine that they would be in the Europa League or anything like that because they they win all of their group games Thought City in the Europa League man God those, those poor teams um, yeah we'll leave it there Si but before we leave this week's edition of the pod what's your score prediction what's not I go for 3-1 4 3-1s um Okay, I will go with a, a comfortable 4-0 tomorrow. Um, Jack getting off the score sheet as well. Uh, but guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Make sure you do check out um, our women's magazine. It's well worth it, I, I should say. Um, we'll be back on Friday, I think. We'll be back on Friday with another podcast. Um, uh, but follow the Manchester Evening News and the Man City side of it for all of your Young Boys coverage as well. Really appreciate um, you're stopping by today. Make sure you leave us a five-star rating, all that good stuff. If you want to see this in visual colour, quoting Dan Murphy, head on over to YouTube, give us a like, comment as always, and please subscribe, and we'll see you in a bit. Cheers. Cheers.